In fact, if you come any closer, if you touch me or anything, I think I'll scream. Welcome to Bridezilla, and I'm sitting opposite the very handsome, the very debonair Andrew Redman. Now, Andrew Redman is one incredible celebrant. He's come literally from obscurity to being one of the most sought-after celebrants in the country. So, I want uh, to do a little intro. I want you to hear Andrew's story, some really vital tips and tricks that he can share with you when you are looking for a celebrant. So um, I'll hand it over. Here is Andrew. Good morning. Morning, Marcus. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me, tell me your origin story. Okay. Well, by way of background, Marcus, I guess uh, I've had a long corporate career before starting my career as a celebrant. Married, have four adult kids, and uh, always a, a passion in life for health and fitness as well. Worked in lots of different footy clubs over the years in a strength and conditioning role, and Probably the highlight of my part-time work there was actually being employed by the AFL for oh, a couple, wow. of, couple of years, ran wow. rehab for the AFL umpires. So it was great working with elite athletes and getting an appreciation into the minds of umpires because the sports lovers, we're typically <laughs> they're not our favourite people. But 100%. I, I certainly formed a different impression of them having worked with them. In terms of celebrancy, um, thanks for saying that I've come from obscurity. I'm about six years into my career now. Yeah. I... I did my first wedding, first legal wedding in May 2012, um, but pretty happy to say in a few weeks' time, in early October, in fact, I'll be doing my seventh, 700th. What? 700? 700 legal weddings. So yeah, there's been dozens of other ceremonies as well, vow renewals, commitment ceremonies, baby namings, but yeah, 700 legal weddings. So yeah, pretty proud of that and uh, where that time's gone and... I don't know, but uh, <laughs> fond memories, happy memories of so those 700. So what happened to that point where you've gone, I'm going to try civil ceremony? What, what, what inspired you? What was that spark? Yeah, it's a good question. I know for a lot of celebrants that, that I've spoken to, for them it's, it's often been they've been to a wedding and been inspired by a celebrant, thought it's been a great celebration, a great recognition, honouring of a couple's relationship. Probably more particularly celebrants' experiences. They've been to weddings that they thought have been pretty lousy, that the celebrant yeah. hasn't captured yeah, yeah. the heart of the couple, that it's been a really generic style of ceremony. None of that applies to me. I don't know exactly <laughs> where the idea of celebrancy came from. I think probably by way of context in answering that question, I'd, I'd had a, a long corporate career, as I mentioned, and, and I did love my job, but I really didn't feel like in, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, I had great work-life balance. In fact, I was I was based in an interstate position, so I was travelling, flying up to um, Canberra on a on a Sunday night, Monday morning, and coming back into Melbourne on a Friday night, and that was really tough on family, particularly. And that yeah. looked like how life was going to continue. So I guess I was starting to think about something else, and the idea of my own business appealed to me because I'd always been an employee. And with respect to celebrancy, I think somehow I just connected the dots in terms of it was a good skills match for me. Oh, wow. I'm a, you know, I was very accustomed and comfortable public speaking. I think I've got good writing skills, mm. but most importantly, I'm a people person. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I'm a people yeah. person. And you know, weddings, ceremony, 
It's about working with people and, and getting to know them. So, you know, and I guess my different work experiences, corporate plus footy clubs, you know, I think I could as easily relate to, to blokey blokes as I can as corporate high flyers. So, you know, I think it was just somewhere, a little seed in my head. Thought wow, it was there was a, it was a skill. There was a skills match there, yeah, and, yeah. and I think that's certainly proven to be the case. Wow. Okay, so moving in, and um, you're, you're hell busy at the moment. You're, in, as mentioned earlier, you're very much sought after. Every, uh, every second or third client that we speak to that um, is having a civil ceremony, your name comes up. So it's, it's testament to what you're doing out there because, as you know, in this industry, um, people only book you because of your authenticity. And you're genuine. And if you're not genuine, you, you certainly play the short game, but then the long game falls off because all that sort of catches up to you. Um, have you seen any disasters? Um, I, I haven't seen any disasters, but there's certainly been experiences I've had or couples have had at weddings that we've had to deal with. And I think if I was giving advice to couples, I'd certainly... One of the important questions I'd ask a celebrant is to talk about times that things have not quite gone right and how they've responded to that situation. And as I said, no major disasters in my time, but yeah, there's different experiences like a bride being heavily delayed. So there's some important considerations there, Marcus, around ensuring guest comfort, Mm -hmm. ensuring guests aren't just sitting there waiting you know, atmosphere killer. Yeah, 100%. But, but also ensuring that the couple's day is still going to go to a, a you know, a, a timeline that's important to them after that. So that might be thinking on your feet a little bit and yeah. communicating briefly with the bride and the groom and streamlining that ceremony or dropping a reading out of the mm. ceremony and, you know, picking it up at the reception later that night. Um, I've had instances where, believe it or not, a photographer hasn't turned up on the day. Wow. You know, and, that, and that's that was a really distressing situation for the bride and groom. So yeah, you think on your feet, mm. let's pick someone out of the audience who they trust that can f- perform that role of photographer, not just from their seat, give them a bit more freedom to, to move around. Mm. There was a videographer at that wedding, the A's with the video- videographer, as well as your, as your video stuff. Can you grab some still shots mm. for the couple? And then at the end of that, at the end of the ceremony, I stayed around for about an hour while guests were mingling where a couple were off with their videographer, just capturing photos of the guests. Oh, wow. Not wow. a great photographer, but it was something. Yeah. Just managing that situation and taking the the panic out of it mm. for the couple was um, yeah, was was really appreciated by by them. And I think that's uh, in my experience, I think that's key when selecting anybody in this industry. Uh, so much so that when you first go in, you go, okay, I just need a celebrant or I just need a photographer. These photos are lovely or this little video of the celebrant is lovely. But you want someone that's invested into the day, invested into your well-being. I tell everybody um, that I train up, there's the sun rises and sets with a couple. You do whatever it takes for their well-being and make sure that that day unfolds as perfectly as humanly possible where you can be involved in, able to orchestrate that to a degree. Um, You see um, suppliers that come and go purely because they don't share that investment. It's kind of like, it's a job. I'm going to show up. I've got to do it. Uncle has stood up or something, a disaster has happened. 
it has nothing to do with me. Mm. Do you know? Um, and I've seen that time and time again of suppliers just putting up their hands. Well, well, and I'm like, just step up and do something for them. You know, it's just because it's outside the realm of what you're meant to do. I mean, you're there to play a part and play that part to the best of your ability. Absolutely, and and the relationship in you know as far as I'm concerned, built strongly on trust, your couples trusting you, but also your couples feeling a strong connection to you. And I say that not, not in the respect that that day is ever about me, but that's certainly something I want to portray for a couple. I want to portray strongly to their family and friends that there's a connection, a rapport, a warmth between us. I want guests to go away thinking that it was a friend standing up there celebrating their relationship. It wasn't, someone who was employed to do the job yeah. that day. So, and, then, and there's a lot of elements that go into that. It's not just the words you say and how you say them. It's about the staging on the day as well, how you position your couples, when you might move, move them through that ceremony. Um, and, and I guess when I'm thinking about the staging, I'm thinking about three really important things. Number one, making my couples feel as relaxed, natural and comfortable as possible. Yeah. Number two, how can we max- maximise your guest engagement throughout this ceremony? And three, and I think that point about suppliers throwing their hands up in the air and mm. saying it's not my responsibility, yeah. but really working with it as a team with the other suppliers that are there on the day. So I want to create positions through that ceremony that creates the best opportunity for the photographer, videographer, mm. to deliver a great end product yeah. for that couple as well. So we're all there to do our own professional jobs on the day, but I see it as a team effort. And through that ceremony time, I like to take a lead role. And I don't mean by that telling yeah, the videographer, yeah, no, no, you can't no, come here, you can't go there. 100%. It's more about you know briefing a photographer, videographer beforehand saying, hey, this is how I'm going to set yeah, this couple up yeah, to start with yeah, and why. Yeah. This is when we're going to change positions and why. Idea being that you guys can be in the best position to capture those, capture those special moments during the ceremony. And it really does help with the way that we shoot and how we approach a ceremony when you have a really great relationship with a celebrant and they've just given you a heads up and it's not like they're eyeballing going, well, you're in my way or this is my path, you know. So we can think on our feet and being very aware of they're not going to sign, they're just going to exit right away and then they're going to sign and just being prepared for that and being, you know, as simple as being able to get access to Audio, so you can get the vowels nice and clear. Who's going to share the mic? Um, and knowing all that. So the ceremony itself ends up being like a dance where everybody's just playing their part. And it's just, it's so fluid. And a couple, all they need to do ultimately is just get married. Absolutely. You know? And that's, yeah. what, that's what you're well, after. Our shared focus for them is about turning up with a focus simply on each other, yeah. a focus simply on enjoying the day. They've employed professional people to do a job for them. I don't want them to have anything to worry about. I want them to know that it's going to go to plan. And if things come up unexpectedly, as we were, you know, we spoke yeah, about yeah, briefly yeah, before, yeah. you've got professional people there who are going to manage that yeah, for you. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. You'll be told what's going to happen. You'll get the sign-off, of course, if, if we think they need to. But you're going to have someone there who's going to take care of business for 100%. you. And the, the relationship between the people there on the day is important as well, I think. Like, I do weddings every weekend where I might work with a photographer or a videographer or an acoustic mm-hmm. duo that I haven't worked with before. But no doubt, when you're working with people that you have worked with before and that rapport is there, I know how you work, you know how I work, and we can have a little bit of fun as well yeah. 
importantly for the couple because we want to create that natural relaxed fun vibe we want them to look natural feel comfortable yeah i've i've had i've had um brides comment when i'm working with a photographer for the first time um particularly on a day and they're like oh do you guys work together all the time and we're like no this is our first time only because we want it to be very very comfortable for them it's not about uh our relationship it's about our relationship with them in order for them to be as natural as comfortable as possible so for us visually that translates perfectly because we're giving them permission to be themselves just by being very relaxed and you know um everyone on the same page when we are capturing something and not feeling disjointed um it is such an important point marcus and i guess for me it can't just happen on the day maybe it's a little different for photographers Mm -hmm. videographers but you know, I'm, I'm sure to an extent, but certainly a large extent for me, that relationship's built before the yeah, day. Yeah. The, the day itself, you know, there's no such hard thing, as, there's no such thing as hard work, yeah. hopefully, if yeah. you work with me. Yeah. It's a fun, relaxed yeah. process. Yeah. But the effort goes into before the day. That's where the relationship's built. Uh, and I guess on that point, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with my couples in the lead up to, to the wow. day. Face-to-face time, because I want to get them, mm. I want to get to know them individually and as a couple, I want them feeling comfortable, comfortably with me. Mm. But I don't want it to be a process, a sterile process, where they're filling in questionnaires and answering questions yeah, about themselves. Yeah, yeah. I want to sit down and just shoot the breeze with them, mm. have a really relaxed, casual conversation. Um, I think it's an easier process for them. I think I get much better information from them through that question-answer, yeah. more natural yeah. question-answer type approach. And I know, as well, it really does facilitate that relationship building and bonus again couples have the pleasure of you know, a week or two after meeting with me getting that first draft of their ceremony and reading my impressions my interpretation of their relationship the information's come from them of yeah, course but yeah. it's not just words they've written yeah. effectively written their own story yeah, it's yeah. someone using their creative writing skills to, to create of, a celebration what sort of results do you I mean uh, what sort of feedback once you show them i mean I, for me seeing that that would be like wow yeah. What sort of feedback do you get from them when you show them that? Yeah, well, well, I can I can relate to some <laughs> feedback I received just yesterday, Marcus, and and the, the the feedbacks typically along the lines of, "Wow, this is amazing. It's got great gravity. Mm. It really captures us in a personal way without being corny or yeah, fluffy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny too. I laughed out loud whilst I was sitting at work reading oh, this fantastic. ceremony, and that's what I want. I want to create a ceremony, importantly that. The couple want, but what most couples really want these days, Marcus, in my experiences, is a ceremony that respects the fact it is a serious and important occasion, but the sort of ceremony that's relaxed, it's engaging, importantly, really personal, it's about them, but a ceremony where both they and their guests experience a range of emotions. So those hit them in the heart moments, but also blended with that that humour, those lighter reflections and... For me, the humour comes in reflections about the couple. I'm yeah. not the sort of celebrant that's a stand-up, one-liner, joke-telling <laughs> celebrant. There are celebrants like that and who are great at it. Yeah. I guess my style is more trying to find that humour yeah. and those reflections mm. through getting to know the couple, the sort of stuff that's relatable to them and to their guests. And how important is humour in a ceremony for I, you? I think it's. I think personally it's, it's super important because yeah. I could stand up there... I believe with a great ceremony and I say Jenny's a great girl and Johnny's a great guy Mm. and they're a great couple Mm. and they're going to have a great future. Mm. But 
if it's just that, it's going to flatline a little mm. bit. It's going to be a really nice celebration and people will come up at the end of the ceremony and genuinely, mm. I would think, would say, hey, that was really great, that was really nice, but they're probably not going to come up and say, that was awesome. Yeah. Because I think a great ceremony just blends those different um, emotions yeah. through it. So, yep, let's hit people here yeah. in the heart. Yeah. With some nice personal stuff, but then let's go light, have a yeah, lighter yeah. show, then go up again. And I, I guess, you know, try and take guests and the couple on a journey of emotions through that ceremony. I think that's the formula for a great ceremony. So I think humor is important. Mm. Having said that, Marcus, from time to time, I do work with couples who really do want what I'd call an old style traditional yeah. ceremony. They yeah. want it quite serious, quite solemn. Mm. They want to, you know, in that more traditional yeah. romantic style. Yeah. That's fine. I'm not a one-size-fits-all yeah. yeah. celebrant. Yeah, it's yeah. about you know, understanding a couple's personalities, 100%. understanding their preferences, and delivering on that. It's 100%. not about me. It's about them. And that's you know, something I say to couples over and over again. It's your ceremony. Mm. It's not mine. My job's to to guide you, to, to hopefully give you some great recommendations yeah. and ideas, creatively write that personal part of your ceremony. But beyond that, hey, this is a team effort. It's a collaborative effort. We're going to work on this together to, to honour and recognise your relationship in well, the best way we possibly can. So I was going to ask you some uh, points and when, when couples start looking for a, a celebrant um, in, their, in their journey and how far out should they be looking at a celebrant. But it, ladies, go back and listen to a... a listen to this again because just in that question uh, before Andrew answers it there's a whole heap of stuff in there that you should be looking out for which is amazing which is absolute gold um, but are there some things that uh, couples need to plan for when they're looking for a celebrant and 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 typically how far out do they need to book yeah. a celebrant well my advice Mar Marcus would be book your celebrant book your key suppliers as soon as you get engaged and yeah. And different people have lengths of engagement, yeah. of course. But yeah. I, I guess the point is the more popular supplier celebrants, book out quickly. Yeah. Uh, celebrants who are popular are typically probably holding between 80 and 90, 100 weddings at any one time, yeah. which doesn't mean every date yeah. you know, in the next four months is necessarily booked out. But if they're lucky enough to be like me. They've got yeah. a lot of bookings already for yeah. 2020 and some into 2021. Wow. So point yeah. being, lock in those key suppliers as early as you can. So you've got choice. 100%. Because I, I know, you know, I'm lucky I get a lot of inquiries and, and, I, and I guess that for every wedding I am available for, there'd be probably about 10 that I'm not. So yeah. it's great. Simple, yeah, simple yeah. advice yeah. is, start the process yeah. as, you, as early as you possibly can. Yeah. I'd also say to couples with, with when they're considering their celebrant and respecting the fact that budget is important to, to all of us when we're doing anything and weddings are expensive exercises, but try not to get too hung up on budget when it comes to a celebrant. The, um, the difference between bottom range, mid range and, and top range celebrants is literally, typically only a couple of hundred dollars. Mm. The celebrant is the person that can set the mood for that day. And now there are some people, it's all about the party. The ceremony part of it's not so important. Mm -hmm. So they're happy just to get anyone. But what I'd say to you, it's, if it's about the party, let's start, let's start the mood on a high, yeah. not have your guests 
suffer yes. through 30 minutes of, <laughs> of boring generic yeah, yeah. love is two rivers becoming one <laughs> so uh, I, I respect as I said I respect yeah. the fact that, that people do need to work mm. to a budget but I guess mm. unlike other suppliers in the industry as I said the, the difference between celebrants bottom range price top range price isn't all that significant mm. and I think you know, a good celebrant and there's so many of them out there can, can really make a great start to that day I've uh, I've um, I've had some disasters with celebrants, and uh, yeah, whenever we have couples coming in, and that whole point of get your supplies in early, it's so good to have choice. The closer you get to your wedding day, the smaller that window is, and you don't want to have someone on the day because that's all that was available. Because it's your day, um, you don't marry the man or woman you love because that's all that was available. Right? <laughs> You've invested time and energy into that. Don't approach the day like that. Um, but, ladies, from a ceremony to ceremony, I can't stress the importance of having a great celebrant because the difference is dramatic to someone being in every single shot, not knowing the protocol of where to stand, what to do, wiping their nose in the background while you guys are kissing. It's just... Um, it is absolutely keen. Having someone that's well presented as well. You know, I've uh, I've showed up and I'm like, what? You know, it looks like, a celebrant looks like they were going to the local pub. Mm. You know, so it is, you've, you've invested so much time in the way that you look and the way that you present and all your guests are looking gorgeous. You want to make sure that someone that's key, that, that's holding the entire ceremony together, blends in as well. That looks like a friend. That looks like a guest. Yeah, it's yeah. it's often the one percenters that are that are key markers. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'll always present professionally. Yeah, that's how I present. But I'll always ask at my final meeting with couples. I'll always ask what what color suit would they like me to wear on the day? And it's yeah. interesting. Some people couldn't care less. They just expect and want yeah. you to turn up looking professional, of yeah. course. But some couples will want you to wear a, a suit that blends in yeah. with the with the groom. Or the, the groom's party. Yeah, yeah. Others will want you to be quite different. So they might be in navy suits, for example. They want you as a point of difference in yeah. a black suit. But it's an, I think it's an important question to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So now we're, we're, we're winding up. I want to know a book, right? Um, we're all, we're all, um, all fans of reading. Well, we, our, our generation are. Um, if there's one book that you've read that's had a massive impact on your life uh, that you would readily share and give as a gift to others, um, what would that book be and why? I should say, Marcus, I'm not a massive reader. I don't, <laughs> I don't find the time that I should to read it. Typically, yeah. my my uh, my reading happens when I'm on holidays. Yeah. So I've, I've had a couple of, enjoyed a couple of holidays recently. In uh, June, I was in Bali and I read a book Jimmy Barnes's book. There's two books, and the first first edition or the first part of his story is a book known as Working Class Boy. A really interesting read. In it, you know, it talks about his upbringing. Pretty tough. Started in yeah. started in his home country overseas, and then in uh, in a pretty poor part of um, Adelaide. And and it really, I guess, his experiences as a young child, as a youth, really shaped yeah. who he became as an adult. And really influenced some of the bad decisions he made. Yeah. The second part of his book is called Working Class Man, which starts pretty much from the time Cold Chisel are formed. 
and it, and it's an it's an interesting comparison between the two books in that the first book's that sort of reflection on mm. how environment influenced some of the poor choices he made and who he was mm -hmm. and in the second second edition it was more about his choices him accepting full responsibility for the yeah. choices he made i found them both fascinating reads i like cold chisel i like jimmy barnes i'm not a oh. i'm not a massive fan but i found those books a really raw interesting insight into the man but coincidentally and very pleasantly in uh, july i was in uh, thailand a place called wahin south of bangkok playing golf with a group of friends and i was standing in a supermarket at the checkout counter counter and uh up beside me came, you just said, Jimmy. Yeah. Oh, and I'd wow. just come off the golf course. I was in wow. my golf clothes. And I didn't I didn't realise he was a golfer, but he's yeah. a mad, passionate golfer. So wow. we were able to uh, enjoy a bit of banter about golf. But, uh, yeah, he struck me as a as a really genuine, decent guy yeah. and very you know, brief brief interaction. But, uh, yeah, more than willing to, wow. to have a chat. So That's amazing. Jimmy Barnes, Jimmy working Barnes. class boy, working yeah. class man. Yeah, well. I, yeah. I always love, irrespective of whether I'm affiliated or I like what that person is actually doing or listening to, I love a good story and like, uh, you know, the doing it tough and coming through, I, that inspiration, irrespective of what they're doing. Um, all right, so last question, massive billboard seen by a billion people. <laughs> right. right? Thank you, Tim Ferriss. I, I, I keep stealing this off you week after week. What would you say? What would I say? What would you write on it? Oh, excuse me. Oh, what would I write on what it? What would you write on it? I might just let a picture tell a story, Marcus. It might be uh, my head on your body. <laughs> <laughs> not, not because you haven't got a nice face, Marcus, but uh, you've got, you got, hey, you hey, got, hey. you got a cracking rig, so <laughs> it would make me look good if I had my head on your body. My wife switches off the lights for a reason, mate. But <laughs> well, well, maybe then if it wasn't yeah, that, if it wasn't uh, that, yeah, maybe if I was, you know, lucky enough to score a, a gig on Married at First Sight, it might be me collecting my gold logie because nice. of a, a great, outstanding performance <laughs> yeah. on that show. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that. I've got uh, in the show notes there'll be links to uh, Andrew's. Um, site and, 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 and website and so forth. Closing, do yourselves a favour. Um, as mentioned, as soon as you're engaged, find a celebrant, find a celebrant you connect with. Take the time and see if you can meet with them. Don't just do it all online. Um, get, get a face-to-face. -face. They're, they're so key to um, your wedding and the, the the difference between a good and a bad one is outstanding. I mean, it, it's incredible. And uh, Reddit was right. It's only a matter of a couple hundred dollars. Invest. I say invest. And if you can book this man, book this man. Thank you for listening. Till next week. Bye for now.